0: It's Nick here, and you're listening to Vilnoch Radio on TFUV 101.9 FM. Within the hour you will hear voices, songs, stories, and art squichel
1: hela. The Native Students Union is for and run by indigenous students. Our space includes a lounge, computers, Printing, a phone, and lunchroom. Stop by the UVic Student Union building, room B023, from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., Monday to Saturday, or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the handle uvicnsu, or our website, uvicnsu.ca, to stay up to date
0: on upcoming social or cultural events. All right, it's Kwechel Hela, and it's Nick here. Welcome to episode four of Huel Noch Radio. Today I will be interviewing two artists, uh, Eli Hurdle and Lindsay De La Ronde. I interviewed Eli, uh, asking him questions about his filmmaking and Lindsay about her artwork that she does. And up first I have Eli Hurdle, and here he is.
1: Tanse nito tematak, Eli Hurdle nisiko san, Aki nuxian ota lekwungen, Victoria. My name is Eli Hurdle. I was born and raised and live on the territory, now called Victoria. I'm an artist, filmmaker, curator, bead worker, who is inspired by our indigenous youth and want to continue to work with our youth to empower them to express themselves in healthy and creative ways.
0: So I know you did the Resist, Uno Unosotin mm-hmm. called to land back in 2013 in the Wet'suwet, Wet'suwet'en territory. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that film?
1: Yeah, for sure. That was how I began my journey as a filmmaker. A good friend of mine, David Goldberg, came back to town after spending two years abroad. He was living in New York and then going to film school in Denmark, and he came back just after the 2013 provincial election and asked me what had happened and why the BC Liberals became the the government and came into power. And I started to tell him about the Unasoten camp and about how the Wet'suwet'en people up in that territory had been reoccupying their, their traditional lands and blocking a number of proposed pipelines from going through their territory and he said to me well why haven't i heard of this why don't more people know about this and at that time we decided to go up and make a film to help raise awareness Mm -hmm. and then subsequently funds for the camp which is still going strong and the film we we went up during a, a summer action camp where around 200 people from all over Turtle Island gathered at the camp to skill share and do workshops, meet each other, share strategies, tactics and really kind of build face-to-face relationships and we filmed that whole time explained to the people at the camp our intentions and what we wanted to do and how we wanted to assist or be of service to the camp as filmmakers, as artists, to help spread the word. So it took us about a year to edit and then release the film, and we decided to just put it up on YouTube so people could watch it anytime and so that it would also be free for people to host fundraisers in whatever community they live in. Mm -hmm. And so for about the next year, year and a half, it was being screened all the way east to Halifax and down through into the States and helped raise a a good amount of money for the camp. And it wasn't only that to really open my eyes to the dynamic power of film to reach people's hearts and minds. It was speaking to people one-on-one that would talk to me about how they watched the film and then decided to go up and volunteer at the camp. Mm -hmm. And that really that really struck me, that that film is such a powerful medium. It's not like just reading facts and figures. When you're able to really tell a story, and in, in my view, the way that I, as an indigenous filmmaker, want to approach my filmmaking is just to give, I guess, give the, give the platform for people to share their stories and mm-hmm. to not go in with a preconceived notion of the story that I want to tell, but to collaboratively with the subjects create that and to just give the, the the room, the space for the people I'm making the film with and for to say whatever they need and want to say.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, yeah, and I watched that documentary over the weekend and I'm pretty sure that was quite the experience, especially when you arrived on to the territory mm-hmm. with, I forgot their names, those two people waiting at the bridge and... Yeah, asking all those questions. I'm sure that was a pretty neat experience and powerful experience to Arriving Yeah, arriving to the territory. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, with me, kind of watching that film too, kind of made me make me want to go back to, I guess, living off the land, just like how they were wanting to in the film and every with everything they shared there, and kind of m- makes me want to get more involved, I guess, too, with trying to save our lands and.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. The 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 experience of going to the bridge over the uh, the qua or the Maurice River where there's a checkpoint that's been set up for years to keep resource extraction companies out of the territory, but to also really enact a free prior and informed consent protocol mm-hmm. on the land, which I think of on the coast here with tribal canoe journeys happening during the summer where Mm -hmm. when folks arrive at somebody's territory they announce who they are and would have done many many different things in different ways sang songs dances to really introduce themselves and not only who they are but their intentions for for coming to be a visitor on whoever's territory they're at yeah. so that was really powerful and for a lot of us that that went to that camp it was such a, a new experience and it felt like we were actually like leaving Canada mm-hmm. and going into yeah. un, unceded traditional Wet'suwet'en territory so yeah that was a really really powerful experience and for myself too yeah. that was one of the things in my life one of the experiences that when you're seeing folks like that protecting their land and also at the same time just existing just living on their land like we've my friend Hillary who I made the film with in conversations she's had with Frida over the years cuz she is still a very active volunteer and supporter of the camp she's had conversations about <clears throat> making a a sequel to Resist called Exist like that at Mm -hmm. the the same time that that it is an active resistance camp i think on a deeper level it is just living the way that their ancestors lived for hundreds thousands of generations
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and i think that would be pretty cool to watch too just especially like a sequel Just because the first one was made in 2013, so just Mm -hmm. seeing it all these few years later would be pretty Mm -hmm. neat to
1: watch. Yeah, The Camp has gotten lots of amazing press Mm -hmm. since we released that film. Al Jazeera Plus um, released a short film called How to Stop a Pipeline that got over 9 million views. And Vice also did a 20-minute documentary on The Camp. So they've gotten a lot of press, and there's so many active resistance camps and places right now, I think... The Watch House, you know, enacted by Sleil-Waututh in Vancouver, along with Musqueam and Squamish nations all banding together to fight against the Kinder Morgan pipeline is probably the most visible one right now. But Mm the Dakota Access Pipeline, like there are many, many flashpoints for for this type of resistance and just existence on the land. And they all deserve to have their stories told Mm -hmm. and for people to know what's going on so that they can support in whatever way possible.
0: Yeah, cool. And I know you just recently did a presentation of your film that you worked on with Brianna at the Sacred Exhibit at the City Hall. Can you tell us a little bit about that film?
2: Yeah, sure,
1: for sure. It's uh, it's called Lekwungen Place to Smoke Herring, and made that with my friend Brianna Dick, who is Lekwungen, who's Song he's and whose friendship means a lot to me. Being able to also learned so much from her uncle Bradley and her who she calls her grandpas um, mm-hmm. Skip and Butch Dick over the years has just been really really meaningful important to me as a as a Cree man a person with with Neheyo ancestry who was born and raised on Lekwungen territory it's really really important to me that i learn as much about the people and the lands that i was born on, that I continue to live on, and so that I can be here in a good way, in the Mm -hmm. most respectful way possible. And so we were also able to interview community members Cheryl Bryce, and who's Songhees Lands Manager, and uh, her nickname is the Camas Queen, because she has done a lot over the years in her traditional role as a Lekwungen woman and within her family to harvest and take care of Camas ecosystems, Quetlal ecosystems within her traditional territory, and also Songhees elder Joan Morris, who I had the honor to help out with another film a few years ago called The Heart of Chatham that was made, I think, for the Pacific People's Partnership, and it was about Joan and her family, and Joan growing up on Pliches, or Chatham Island, just off of Oak Bay. Mm-hmm. If you're at Stitchmouth or Willows Beach, it's the islands or archipelago just right off the coast there. There's Big Chatham, Little Chatham and Discovery Island. And her family was living there in the 40s and the 50s. Mm-hmm. And that's where she was brought up. And <coughs> the last family moved from there in the 19, early 1970s. So I don't think many people who live here in this area on this territory or visiting here know about that history and I feel like it it's really important that we all not only know that history but also work to have better relationships with the lands and the waters that we live on mm-hmm. and the Lukwangan people who still are living on these lands and have responsibility for and to these lands. So that uh, that film we made over about, about, over about two months, it was pretty quick. I thought Brianna and I are really proud of how it came together and especially how it can be housed or installed at Victoria City Hall as, mm-hmm. as a part of the Sacred Exhibition, which is a permanent Indigenous art exhibition that I was also able to be the assistant curator for. Mm-hmm. So that was a really beautiful experience to be able to learn some curatorial skills, kind of work on both sides of that exhibition.
0: I was able to attend that on Aboriginal day at City Hall. So I was able to watch the film and I really liked it. I liked the aerial shots, like with the drone and everything else. And I thought it was a great film. Thank you. Yeah. What inspired you to get into filmmaking?
1: Well, I I mentioned that a little bit in your first question, I guess, to my background for art making is photography analog photography film photography and so that was my first love as an artist and it became i guess a just an evolution of that practice to want to see instead of a single static frame 24 frames a Mm -hmm. second and the dynamism involved with all of the elements that are there in in film or video of just the moving the moving images the sound design, the music that can influence and have an impact on the kind of tone of the film. So that was, I guess, how things began with the Resist Unistoten film, just kind of learning from my friend who is a filmmaker. And one of my roles with the construction of that film was threading a narrative would make sense and tell the story in an easy to understand way so in that process i began to realize that i had skills as a storyteller that i could use in the editing process and subsequent to that over the past few years i've just learned as much as i could about all other aspects of filmmaking Mm -hmm. so now i can do the planning of a project pre-production the filming the editing and and all the aspects of post production so i feel like i've learned a lot in these past couple of years and another i guess part of that where i'm at right now is that i want to i want to continue to pass on those skills to indigenous youth i had the opportunity to work with Bianca Elliott this spring cool. and this amazing project Reclaim that she's been working mm-hmm. on with the Victoria Sexual Assault Center, linking violence against the land and violence against bodies. And I mm-hmm. did a, a weekend youth filmmaking workshop where, over the course of just two days, these groups of youth filmed for one day, edited the second day, and by the end of our Sunday session, there were three videos that were up on YouTube. And so that's really important to me now that I, as, as much as I'm still learning myself, that I can pass along those mm. skills to our youth to be able to tell our own stories. And I think that's such an important conversation right now. It's happening in the media landscape about representation and ownership and how for so long, for too long, our stories have been told for us. It's, yeah. it's time for us to tell our own stories. And that's one reason why I'm so happy to join you here today, because you are a part of that and that part of that change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) When filmmaking, how was the process like trying to find when to end uh, a film? Like, is it kind of a tough process, like knowing when to stop or when to end it? Mm.
1: yeah it can it can be a little it can be a little challenging I'll, I'll just talk about the last film that brianna and i made for example we probably could have made a half hour documentary and we might do that in the future for other uses like i'd like to continue talking with um, song he's chief and council about that about how mm-hmm. they want to use that film in the future because it could be edited a little bit differently Because of thinking about people coming into City Hall and watching it, we were conscious of it being a certain length. It ended up being 14 minutes and that seemed like a not too short, not too long, kind of in the Goldilocks zone of people's attention spans and being able to sit and and watch that. As far as how things can end, I find that when I do the first first pass through, through footage, I can Sometimes spot, or there, there are things that will pop out to me that will be a good way to finish. It's kind of like an intuitive thing where, yeah, it just it feels like, it it feels to me like it would be a good ending. And as far for the Lekwungen foam, it was something that uh, that Skip Skip Dick said, and mm-hmm. he just said uh, it, at the end of our interview, he said the message is there, Haichka uh, it was, it, that kind of was a very simple, beautiful, poetic way for him to kind of put an exclamation point on all of the information that had been been said previously.
0: Oh, nice. That's awesome. Do you have any projects that you're working on or coming up soon?
1: Right now, I'm, I'm editing up a few projects that I was filming in the spring some community films. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the opportunity to work with First Nations Health Authority and Saanich Peninsula Hospital in your territory oh, for this amazing project called Journey Home where the Saanich community members and caregivers, nurses and doctors at Saanich Peninsula Hospital came together over the course of two years to learn from one another and share about palliative care and how Mm -hmm. end-of-life care could be done in a more respectful and culturally safe way on Wusenich territory. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be editing three different films for three different audiences Mm -hmm. out of all of those workshops. I also had the opportunity to go to the opening of Bodick Revolutionary Spirit at the Audain Art Museum in Whistler in the spring and filmed that that opening. It's another project I have to edit. As far as projects on the horizon, I'm beginning to talk with my friend Leslie, who is one of the participating artists in the sacred exhibition, about making a documentary about Coast Salish art, which just seems To me, like, that's a film that should have been made years ago. Mm -hmm. And if there hasn't been a kind of a comprehensive film about that, that uh, Leslie is one of the people with the most knowledge and Mm -hmm. relationships to to do something like that. So I'd like to work with him further on that. And another project I want to work on is with my friend Audie Murray, who lives in Vancouver, who's Métis, Cree, and she is a part of the indigenous tattoo revival movement right now, yeah. and so I know your listeners can't see on yeah. my on my on my arms, my forearms. I have two tattoos of my Kokums beadwork that uh, that Audie has done for me, and we were just talking a couple of days ago about making a film, a short, kind of experimental film about that type of tattoo work and the connections between skin stitching, hand poking, beadwork, birch bark, hides, kind of the skins, the skins yeah. of trees or animals. So I'm excited about that. And then another project that I'm starting to think about a lot right now, something I'd like to do in the future. And I really want to make some films, some fiction films. I I primarily have worked in documentary over these past couple of years, but I'd really like to start making some films that are new fiction and written and only spoken in our indigenous languages. And kind of makes me think of something that John Elliott told me when we interviewed him for a, a film I made about indigenous language revitalization, he was talking about getting to a point with some of his students that were learning Sanchothan that they wrote a new song, created a, a song. And he said that, that is Sanchothan freedom to be mm. able to create in your own language again. Yeah. And that just always stuck in my head. And I really want to work with some friends of mine in Wasanich territory, some friends that are, that are Cree and just kind of branch out from there and, and work with people who, who would like to learn, write a story together, learn those words in the languages, act in them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's something I've been thinking about a lot
0: lately. That's awesome. And yeah, it's very inspiring to see an indigenous filmmaker come up. Cause I remember when I was younger too, that's something I wanted to get into. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do necessarily because I did a workshop Back when I was younger too, out at Royal Roads University, it was a digital stories workshop. Mm-hmm. They called it, so we were able to choose either to make a movie, write and record a song, or there's something else, another option. But I don't think anybody chose that one. But me and two others decided to make a little horror movie spoof. <laughs> so it was pretty cool that we had like all those resources, like and we had them teach us how to edit it. And mm, it was this little like cheesy movie that was. Only filmed in in a daylight, but but yeah, it was a pretty cool experience, and it's just mm-hmm. inspiring to see another indigenous person pers- pursue filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, so can you let everybody know where they can find your films or watch them? Or?
1: They're kind of all over the place. Some of them <laughs> are on YouTube. Uh, two that are that are on YouTube are uh, "Resist the Unistotan's Call to the Land" and another one. This is the uh, indigenous language revitalization film I made for TELUS a couple of years ago. And that one's called Voices on the Rise. So you could search both of those on YouTube. The City Hall film will shortly be uploaded to YouTube. I Mm -hmm. also wanna just release that out to everyone to watch. And it's also in the meantime installed in the Douglas Street foyer of Victoria City Hall. All right, cool. And Oh, and I also have a website, EliHurdle.ca, which has yet to be populated with much content. It, oh, ju- it just yeah. has the Indigenous Language Revitalization film
0: on it. All right, it. cool. Thank you. All right, Heishka again, Eli. Thank you for coming in and doing that interview. So if you didn't get a chance, you, or if you haven't seen it yet, any of his films, go check them out. I will put them in the podcast description box later when i upload this episode and up next i have some upcoming community events i have two from the Husanich territory uh this thursday august 2nd from 10 a.m to 4 p.m is the pakwichen day 2018 and that is at the pakwichen hall and the beach there a family event food door prizes and shuttle service 10 a.m to 12 p.m is carnival games at the lacrosse box 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. is the seafood lunch mm. <laughs> and then 1 p.m. everyone will head down to the beach and then at 1 15 p.m. honoring our partners Homewood Health and University of Victoria and School District 63 and 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. beach time with bone game, water activity, tarot card reading, and wacky hair and more. So that's a good idea been busy the past few Paukutin days, that's my nation, that's where I'm from, and that would have been cool to come check that out, but and I'll be busy working that day. This weekend also is the Geronimo Canoe Club 2018 War Canoe Races, August 4th and 5th, and Huchatlup there, and Sartlup in Brentwood Bay. The captain's draw will be at 10am, and races will start right after. Saturday will start with the single canoe races, and Sunday we'll start with the 11-man canoes. There's different races. There's a singles races, doubles races, six-man races, 11-man, and a no-paddle race. So that no-paddle race should be fun to watch. And there's no gate fee. They have a concession with salmon plates, burgers, hot dogs, poutine, and drinks and freezies. So that'll be a good time to... If you want to watch our traditional canoe, war canoe races, that will be in Brentwood Bay there this weekend. And Sunday August 5th from 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. the Victoria Symphony Splash is happening at the Victoria Inner Harbor. Join us for North America's largest outdoor orchestral event. On Sunday August 5th tens of thousands of people will take to Victoria's Inner Harbor for the 29th annual Victoria Symphony Splash. From a floating stage in the Inner Harbor, the Victoria Symphony Orchestra, and special guests will perform, ending with the grand finale performance of Tchaikovsky's <laughs> 1812 Overture, with fireworks, of course. For more information, visit victoriasymphony.ca slash community slash splash. So that is all the events I have for today. So if you have time, go check those out, or if you're in the area. Up next I have an interview with another local artist, Lindsay Delaronde. I asked her questions about her work and her residency and what she does as an artist. So here it is. I hope you enjoy.
2: My name is Lindsay Delaronde. Uh, my Mohawk name is Gaditzagutsday, which translates to lasting flower. Is a Mohawk name given to me by my grandmother Norma Delaronde. I'm originally from Ganawage, which is in the province of Quebec. I've been a visitor uh, here on the Kwangan territory for 13 years. Uh, I've been in arts education and counseling psychology in terms of my education, and I'm currently the Indigenous artist-in-residence for the city of Victoria, as well as the interim Aboriginal curator at Open Space.
0: For people who may not know, can you tell us a little bit about what a curator does?
2: Sure. Um, well, primarily my practice is um, in the arts as a as a visual multidisciplinary artist. My sort of approach to curating uh, really has been established within my residency, gathering artists together, bringing community together, community outreach, facilitating workshops, developing projects and programs to help other people be creative, uh, not necessarily always artists, but community members. So, my curatorial practice is revolved around community outreach but in terms of like a conventional aboriginal curator you know usually it's in the context of working for a gallery and the curator brings artists together with a curatorial theme works with artists holds artists up um, holds space as you know an exhibition they they put on exhibitions and and curate that exhibition so that's sort of like the conventional way that I'm sort of you know, um, learning more about because I've been, a primarily a practicing artist, the, the position at open space is an interim, which means I'm just only there temporarily. My contract goes till October 1st as open space has been through a lot of different political strategies in terms of amendment and maintaining good standing and building trust and loyalty with community. They needed the Aboriginal curator to, to have a position there to hold space as the they look for a permanent one yeah
0: what kind of art is it that you do
2: mm-hmm. i would say that you know there's a big long timeline of my practice i definitely have been trained institutionally i went to a fine arts program when I was 16 I started my post-secondary education in fine arts at Dawson College in Montreal and so you get the gamut of the full sculpture painting printmaking then I transferred over to Emily Carr in 2004 and then again that was a lot of just experimenting and exploring with different mediums Um, my background I would say I I had a strong passion for printmaking silkscreen printing in particular I definitely moved away from that uh, as time has gone on and then I did a master's in uh, fine arts from the University of Victoria, where I also explored different printing methods. Yeah, I I would say a lot of my background is printmaking, which then transferred more into photography, I would say, starting in 2014. Mm. And then that migrated you know, into more of a performance artist. And so there's different sort of genres that I've explored in terms of the arts, but currently uh, my main interest is in collaborative practice, uh, land-based performance, uh, moving more towards indigenous theater, uh, indigenous Mm -hmm. performance art, as well as continuing a love for photography with a focus really on healing through the arts. I would say that's my grounding and the foundation that I always work from our cultural ways of, you know, uh, learning about ourselves and and incorporating spirituality and, and, you know, ritual and ceremony all in an appropriate way uh, in terms of uh, meshing that with the contemporary arts. I really love working with people. I love facilitating. I love using traditional arts and contemporary arts to really like I said, do a lot of the healing work, a lot of transformation through the arts. I would say that a lot of my passion is in art therapy, um, and mm. I'd like to sort of grow more into that. I love indigenous performance, which is another area that I really want to explore, so yeah, I'm kind of all over it oh,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. when did this kind of all start, and what inspired you to get into this
2: practice? Well, I would say that it's really all I've ever done and known. Oh, yeah. So when I was a young person, I knew really, really young, probably before the age of 10, that I wanted to go to art school. That was really like a very primary focus. I mean, I had to go through all of the 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 (laughs) windstorms and the uh, challenges and adversities you know growing up on reserve and you know coming from you know definitely challenges at home and you know having to move through my adolescent years and you know a lot of different hurdles that i've had to jump through to sort of get through to where i am today but i feel like you know being an artist was very fundamental to my identity as a young person you know I was always interested in materials and making things and wanting to know how things were made and looking at books of crafts and trying to copy things so like I've always been a maker Mm -hmm. in some capacity I've never really known anything but that and so going through the institution Mm and being trained academically has been my process and I know there's other artists that have done things differently so I would say that you know as a as a young person up until now, I'm, I'm 34 years old. So, you know, it's a long time to be invested in, in creating. And being an artist is something that is always, you know, changing and evolving and growing. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I'm interested in different themes. And then it sort of moves me to the next. And I did go back to school in 2014, actually. I wanted to be an art therapist. There used to be a school here in Victoria called the the BC art therapy sort of association Mm -hmm. they had a two-year program and so i took my fine arts credits and i went back to doing my prerequisites in psychology here at uvic part-time and so i was able to sort of accumulate all of my prerequisite courses and then during that time they had closed down so i had all of these credits all Mm -hmm. of my sort of education in in the arts and the indigenous communities counseling psychology program emerged it was the second cohort to ever run and so i applied and obtained my master's in clinical counseling and so i did a lot of exploring around how arts and healing you know are very much married in my practice and mm. been able to sort of execute that in my internship in, in some in some degree and then you know it's a it's a long process to sort of fit into that role you're bridging you know how do how do we bridge creativity in the arts with a, a therapeutic component and a healing component especially for our our indigenous peoples which i think is such a wonderful fit mm. we're makers we're doers you know uh we have a lot of determination perseverance you know mm. and there's a lot of richness in there so you know using art is a definitely a way to access that beauty that you know Mm -hmm. is so much resonates in our communities
0: is there a signature or specific thing you like to incorporate or put into your work whether it be print or performance Mm -hmm.
2: i don't know if there's a specific sort of trademark i would say that guaranteed maybe not guaranteed maybe that's a little (laughs) (laughs) a little uh stretch of a statement there but um i would say that definitely when i work with people i'm i'm interested in what's inside Mm -hmm. and so my trademark is definitely i would say to go beyond the surface you know and try to dig deep you know i don't know if people that will be listening to this, attended the the Belfry, the first Indigenous showcase that I held at the Belfry Theatre. There was over 40 uh, local Indigenous performers from Mm -hmm. across Canada that all reside here in Victoria, and we put on an hour and 20-minute show, and it was amazing. And so um, we're gonna continue to do an next one in January, hopefully again with the Belfry. Um, Currently running an Indigenous men's program uh, focused on art and healing. uh, we did paddle making last week we'll be doing drum making and then sweat lodge ceremony and then into studio to develop a, perf- a performance a, new mm-hmm. paddle, a paddle welcome song wow so that will sort of carry through to October, where I'll be mm-hmm. uh, in partnership with the Royal BC Museum, hosting a one day workshop with Indigenous facilitators, uh, working around storytelling, oral mm-hmm. traditions, the importance of bringing that into a space and, um, you know, participants being activated with that type of knowledge and being able to be creative in that space, and then a performance will be hosted that day, mm-hmm. and then I end my residency with the um, Supernova. It's called Supernova, oh, wow. the Indigenous yep. Showcase. It'll be the second one hosting yeah. that I'll be doing. So a lot, a lot more to come. Yeah, there's some <laughs> yeah. of them are really small, intimate projects, like I said, really like one on one. I mean, I ha- was working with five Indigenous men last week and we were working with uh, Master Carver Moy Sutherland from mm-hmm. the Channeled Nation and we did Circle and a lot of sharing and talking wow. talking a lot about Indigenous masculinities and mm-hmm. using the paddle as their life journey as a symbol. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to sort of expanding and eventually starting to gather people interested in wanting to be part of Supernova in mm-hmm. some capacity. So, yeah. whosoever's listening and <laughs> yeah. feel like they want to sort of <laughs> engage in in that way please contact me i'm available i have an indigenous artist in residence facebook you can message me there even on my personal one it's really about allowing and giving opportunity to performative artists Mm -hmm. here in the community both traditional and contemporary to develop a a really beautiful show to to gift to the to to the city so i'm looking forward to the rest of my residency is
0: there a certain thing you hope Or want people to Mm -hmm. walk away with after they either look at your art or watch your art? Mm -hmm. Is there a certain
2: yeah
0: yeah message or anything that you hope they get
2: from it? I feel like a lot of my projects are are vary. You know, some deal with women, men, sexuality, healing, trauma. I mean. Um, you know, forgiveness. There's so much themes that I've sort of portrayed in my work, and I always like to leave that interpretation to the viewer. You know, in terms of our culture, when we come together and we sing and we dance, we're not watching and we're not trying to figure it out. We're not trying to get it. You know, Western ways of looking at artwork is is very much around the, the conceptual. You know, and and tapping into that conceptual with oh, I know what they're talking about. I get it, and the wanting to know everything and the mm-hmm. way that I been you know taught as an indigenous person is you know you really just sit with the information it's not about figuring it out it's about you know listening to your body and how you're responding resistance wanting to be closer emotions like yeah. I feel like the messages are very the spectrum is so wide and it's not a, a logic sort of process mm-hmm. I think when you know around performance are I mean definitely there are themes but it's about where we stand with those themes like around reconciliation and yeah. trauma and remembering who we are as indigenous peoples uh you know challenging stereotypes and discrimination and racism and then also the similarities and the bonding and the connection mm-hmm. you know supernova in particular is about destruction and creation you know mm-hmm. and so we're constantly dismantling these colonial ways of seeing the world in ourselves and within others and And, you know, the great sort of revolution of the reconciliation is is Mm -hmm. definitely a a topic, you know. And so the way that I've been able to incorporate that is around the arts and healing. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like one thing that I want to evoke in my work is, is emotion. and not so much the intellectual but more of the emotional body being tapped into the presence of a human body and performance is very powerful and so I'm really interested in bringing people to the here and the now being present being present with themselves and tapping into their deeper selves and that's what I hope that's what I hope and that Mm -hmm. can mean you know various degrees of different things to many people Mm -hmm. but that's the power of our culture. So I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful that people could resonate with that in some capacity. Oh, cool.
0: That's really awesome. Mm. And I guess just for maybe other artists or up and coming artists, As maybe as an advice or something, how would you deal with either criticism or like maybe negative comments about Mm -hmm. your art?
2: Yeah, well, I've definitely been through some negativity in terms of feedback, Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say to use that negativity as not as a defense or deflection, but more so looking at negative criticism or any type of criticism and, and really being able to look at it, to confront yeah. it. Is this true? Is there any truth in that? Maybe I need to go talk to somebody to bring that forward. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of emotion that comes up, you know, I think because you're vulnerable as an yeah. artist, you know, especially in my residency, it's like public, public, mm-hmm. public, public, you know, expose, exposure, exposure. Yeah. So, yeah, I've definitely had to learn to protect myself, I feel mm-hmm. like in some moments, in, in more, I guess, emotional ways mm-hmm. and develop, being able to uh, develop a maturity and uh, self-accountability. I would say that I put myself in this position, you yeah. know, uh, as artists, we need to be self-accountable. We need to be responsible for the imagery, for, you know, the messages that we carry. Mm hmm the audio, the visual, the sound, all of that, it has to sort of, we have to be accountable. And it helps you to develop your practice when you think about the huge responsibility that Indigenous artists, you know, I think carry that maybe some non-Indigenous peoples don't carry yeah. or don't consider, you know, because we're not just independent, separate from our families and our mm-hmm. nations and our communities. And, you know, I think there's a there's a deep, you know, self-reflection process that can be earned through time, you know, so I would say that, you know, our greatest traumas and our greatest negativity and our greatest challenges, the hardest criticism is really the gem and the diamonds Mm. and where the pearls live. If we're able to sort of express humility and vulnerability And that's what I've learned, I feel like, in in my process of being an Mm -hmm. artist. It's fearful. Some of the themes I've sort of tackled, you know, come with criticism. But I've also been able to open my ears to listening and incorporating and learning from it.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So are you working on any projects or do you have anything else coming up Mm -hmm. soon?
2: Well... Currently, the Indigenous Men's Project in October 13th, the uh, Royal BC Museum in partnership, we're doing another symposium, our second one, and then the Belfry Indigenous Showcase oh, yeah. in January. So, those are the three major projects that I have mm-hmm. coming up, and that definitely fills up my time. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot of community outreach, it's a lot of sort of in studio, and I'm having a baby. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so this is I'm the saying, biggest yeah. project, right? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, along with all of that, yeah. I'm also almost six months pregnant yeah and so my baby arrives uh if it goes to full term and it, if all goes well yeah uh october at the end of october oh, yeah. so, so it's about busy. a lot of uh pre-planning yeah. yeah and getting my team together getting organized in terms of uh people that want to show up and you know make that commitment and dedication to be mm-hmm. in their own process and contribute to the greater the greater group and so that's what i'm i'm hoping to carry through to, yeah. to the rest of my my residency
0: all right and then again i know you shared a bit earlier but can you maybe share where people can find you or mm-hmm. find maybe your work if they yeah. want to
2: well my uh, indigenous artist in residence for the city of Victoria Facebook page has some information not a lot it definitely needs to be it's, it's difficult in a residency because mm-hmm. along with uh, project management financial management community outreach there's still uh, communication that yeah. needs to be sort of attended to mm-hmm. so I sort of lack that area but that you could find my, my some of my images in some of my work there is the permanent exhibition sacred at the city hall that some of my photos are in and yeah I would say those two places definitely focus on my residency Mm -hmm. and yeah and then just being sort of on the radar you know, a lot of information comes through the city of Victoria website, as well as social media, I post a lot of things on my own oh, personal okay. social media for recruitment, because mm-hmm. it's yep. really important, you know, the participation of community, but there's so much too available that it's, it's really hard to sort of, you know, yeah, get everybody's interest. And so mm-hmm. I'm always willing to work with people who are willing. And that's the yep. type of population that I in, and, and, you know, people that I love working with is, you know, that shared vision. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome.
1: Hearing strange sounds coming out of the basement of the student union
2: building? It's CFUV. Make your way down the stairs, learn how to live broadcast, and host your own radio program. Check out our website,
1: CFUV.ca, for more information on how to get involved.
2: Be part of a live recording experience while it's happening. Join us on the Basement Closet Sessions every Friday at 3. Hang out with your favorite artists while they play their latest albums live from the floor of our Basement Closet Studio on CFUV 101.9 FM and CFUV.ca. Thank
0: you again, Lindsay for that interview it's great to be able to sit down with you and chat and um i'll put a link to her facebook page in the description box for the podcast too and that is it for me for who No radio for the hour uh, i hope you enjoyed today's episode uh, again like i said before if you missed any other episodes uh the first three they are at cfubcfubpodcast.com and on soundcloud so yeah i hope you are all enjoying this indigenous content And stay tuned for other CFUV programming. And thank you again. Tune in again next week for more great show. Thank you.